Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I think I'm getting a little overwhelmed this holiday season. Um, as an example, the other day... I know <laughs> The other day, Cat goes, Hey, JG, can you drop off these Christmas cards? At the post office on your way home, I said, sure, no problem. And so she put them in a bag for me and put it on a uh, on a chair next to the door. And I uh, said, hey, thanks. I really appreciate that. And then walked out the door. No, 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 no. You're skipping a whole chunk. What did I skip? The Okay, the chunk that you skipped was when you came over to me picked up the bag and no, you that said, was the second look time. at me remembering. No, that, that was the second time. The second time? I forgot it two times. I said, yeah, I'll take the the uh, the mail to the to the post office. And then I walked out. And then you said, hey, did you remember? And I said, no, geez, I forgot. And then the next day I went over and I picked up the, the bag of letters and I said, hey, look at me. I didn't forget this morning. And then I put him in the chair and I got my coat on and I promptly walked out the door again. The funny thing is, the first thing that you're referencing wasn't the cards. You forgot the thing that I asked you to bring the first time was Haggis's DNA. Oh, it wasn't yeah. the cards until the second day. That's that right. was the other thing that yeah, you forgot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're arguing with me. And I'm like, no, the cards weren't even done that day. What are you talking about? Well, I knew it had something to do with the mailbox. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, I need a big, long winter's nap. Yeah, I would agree. the point here. Uh, you go first. Okay. As we are uh, within the holiday season, I thought it would be really fun to explore some fun holiday traditions worldwide. Ooh. And we're going to start in Oaxaca in Mexico in 1897. Uh, Oaxaca's mayor officially declared December 23rd to be the Noche de los Rabanos. 
or Night of the Radishes. Sounds like a really bad horror movie. Not scary at all, but but delicious and nutritious. <laughs> so each year, um, artisans come out into the streets and they will make or whittle, uh, transform, if you will, radishes into alligators and churches and portraits of celebrities and, of course, nativity scenes and many other creations. Radish whittling. It began as a way to try to attract shoppers. Of course, uh, church services are coming out Mm -hmm. and people need holiday gifts. So uh, they would line up outside the church doors uh, with their finely crafted radishes to garner attention. Sounds like it would be more like they were garnishing attention. Oh! What? <laughs> what? See what I did there. You're so good. Uh, you're so you're so good. Yeah. You're so, you're so okay. Um so yeah, in addition to the beautiful gifts that they would then be selling, uh, people would also buy their radish and other vegetable creations uh, to put on like as a centerpiece for their table, oh, for their for their Christmas night table. Wow. Which is pretty amazing, I think. And since I am a vegetable whittler from way back, uh, I appreciate the skill that goes into it. You have never whittled a radish in your life. I did go through a real cheese carving phase. Oh, you did? Yeah. My dad would buy like enormous blocks of cheese uh, because the bigger a portion of something you buy, the better deal it is, regardless of price. Uh, uh, sure. It, yeah. It's just the way that my dad's brain works. Right, so right. we'd have these huge blocks of cheese available to us, and I would uh, bring them places, and my friends and I would carve the cheese. Really? What did What did you carve? Oh, you know, just things like a life size Buick. I'm sure at one point I <laughs> I carved a cow because I went through a real cow period where I was <laughs> obsessed with cows, uh-huh. and so I'm sure that happened at one point. Uh, and my friend who will remain unnamed, though, if you know her, you know who I'm talking about, has uh, ginormous uh, bazoongas, if uh, you will. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure I carved her a time or two. Wait, wait. And was all like, look at these cheese boobs I made for you. You, <laughs> you carved cheese boobs. I'm sure I did. I'm this sure is a holiday tradition I can get behind. <laughs> um, in Catalonia, which is a region in Spain, You'll notice that the nativity scenes, or it, it's called a creche, right? Mm-hmm. Is the creche and the nativity scene interchangeable? Is that just... I don't know the two? specifics, but yes, I think if you said either one of those things, I would it would make me think of the same thing. Okay, but that doesn't... No. Okay. All right. We'll just, we'll say nativity scene. Okay. Um, so, you know, all the, the usual characters that you'll see in there, mm-hmm. you'll see that baby, you'll see the, the lady and that her baby, <laughs> you mean our Lord and savior, <laughs> <laughs> that baby, you'll see the... Jeez. <laughs> I'm just saying like uh, in a nativity uh, scene, you know, you know what well, you're seeing, right? right? Yes. But in Catalonia, there is a bonus feature. Is it aliens? You don't see in a lot of other. Uh, versions of the nativity. Um, it is called the the Caganeer. And uh, this figure is a uh, bare-assed figurine uh, pooping in the corner. What? Yeah. What? So, in the nativity scene? Yeah. So usually he'll, they'll be off in the corner somewhere, mm. uh, but they are they are 
you know, trow down mm-hmm. and 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 pooping. Now I don't know if generally there is poop involved <laughs> in this, yeah. or if it's just giving the idea, the imagery of like you know what he's doing. You you're squatting with your pants down, right? Right. right. Is that the fourth wise man who wasn't quite as wise? <laughs> Shemp. Shemp. <laughs> the fourth wise man who wasn't quite as good as Curly. So the <laughs> the three from the three wise men. Am I getting things confused? No, you're doing great. Thank you. The The idea is uh, that this figure in this region has gone back to the 18th century, but it's unclear why so many people have included this pooping figure in their nativity scenes. Um, there are those that think that he is a reminder that God will come in his time, regardless of whether his followers are ready or not. Kind of like nature calls, you know, so does God. And he'll show up if you're pooping or not. Well, it says in the Bible, he'll come like a thief in the night. Anyway, that's the the (laughs) Caganeer, the the pooper at the Uh, nativity. The holy pooper. (laughs) Let's talk now about... (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm done talking about the holy pooper, frankly. (laughs) Okay. In the same region, there is another tradition uh, regarding... Old Cagatillo, and uh, it's one of the the most highly anticipated traditions in uh, Catalonia and uh, Aragon uh, around Christmas time. So, uh, Old Cagatillo will arrive on your doorstep in early December. It literally means pooping log. Now, no, what, what now? What is going on here? The people that Old Cagatillo. Uh, visits are expected to take him in and take care of him up until Christmas. Uh, it, basically, he's a, a log, and he's usually got a blanket over him, and he's got a smiling face on the front. So he looks from the front a little bit to me like uh, Thomas, Thomas the Tank Engine, or oh, Thomas the, yeah, right, you right. know, that smiling train. Mm-hmm. And so he, this uh, <laughs> this pooping log here. Uh, it shows up, and the kids are supposed to be real nice to him, and they're supposed to feed him, like, dry bread or orange peels or beans. And then in the days before Christmas, they're supposed to take extra super good take care of him. Oh, so special and important. And the cockatiel, oh, we love him. They give him gifts and stuff. Uh, because if they're super nice to him, he will give them gifts uh, on on Christmas. So if you've been really good, you, then you get out your sticks and you beat the shit out of him, <laughs> quite literally. Really? Um, so you beat him mm-hmm. and then he'll poop out your presents. The, really? The log will, will poop out your presents that are in, so you hit him with a stick. You've wow. been so nice, wow. but then you hit him with a stick until he poops out your presents, and wow. then and then you sing a song. Th- Log of Christmas, poop <laughs> nuggets, pee white wine. Don't poop herrings; they're too salty. Poop nougats; they're much better. Is that the rough translation? See, I was disappointed when I got a lump of coal in my stocking. Mm. No, it's because you didn't. You didn't hit your stocking with a stick. Apparently, I guess. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, you've got to you got to hit him with a stick and sing the song, and uh, and then you'll get some presents. Um, 
So wow, yeah, log of Christmas, <laughs> poop nougats, pee white wine. Don't poop herrings; they're too salty. Poop nougats; they're much better. Sounds like a commercial on Japanese TV. <laughs> so that's the pooping log. Now, let's move on to Grilla. Um, you've heard of Krampus. Oh, of course. Okay, well, Grilla is kind of a Krampus-type vibe. Uh, but uh, she's also described in many different ways. She's called a giant. She's called a troll. She's called a witch. But we do know that she's the mother of the Yule Lads, which are 13 mischief makers that supposedly <laughs> visit on the 13 days of Christmas. Um, Grilla also has a husband named La Paulidie, uh, who is very lazy and mostly just lives in their cave and doesn't come out much. But Mm-hmm. There are oral accounts. The earliest written reference to Grilla, uh, whose name, by the way, translates to Growler. So that's uh, comforting. Mm. Uh, that goes back to the 13th century. But it wasn't until the 17th century-ish that they started associating Grilla, the cave troll, with Christmas. And you'll find lots of mentions of Grilla in uh, poems. And... Um, during Yule, Iceland's Christmas season, she will come down from her cave in the mountains to gather up ill-behaved kids and uh, put them in her bag so she can make them into stew. Well, that is festive. She's also got a Yule cat um, who is huge and lurks about the snowy countryside. Um, and he eats people who haven't received new clothes before Christmas Eve. Because <laughs> if you don't have new clothes, it's a sign that you haven't worked hard enough. I see. Um, bad person that's right. if you're poor that's the lesson we're learning here it's not about you being poor though it's about if your family's poor it's really it has become a tradition in iceland to give gifts of clothing like socks and stuff uh so that sure. grilla and her cat won't eat you plus it's cold there mm, it's true too yeah for sure the yule lads uh that Which, i mentioned by the way sounds like a really bad boy band the yule lads yeah Shorty, it's Yule. Shorty, it's Yule. All right. So the Yule lads are the sons of Grilla and Lepalaudi. And they're, as I said, a group of mischievous pranksters. And uh, their names are somehow related to how they are pranky. Like the dwarfs? Yes, and, exactly. Okay, like right. grumpy and sneezy. and sharp. Yeah, definitely bumpy. What was he, a leper? Well, <laughs> bumpy was a leper. He was the eighth dwarf who hung around with Shemp, the fourth wise man. Those two knuckleheads. Let me tell you something. I like to party with them. Okay. Um, so the but these pranky pranky boys, uh, they would also leave small gifts in the shoes of children who would place their shoes on the windowsills. Was it poop? You know, no, uh, no, just little gifties. Unless the child had been uh, badly behaved, and then or they, had a shabby outfit. Yeah, oh, right. And then they, well, no, the shabby outfit relates to the cat and whether the Yule cat would eat you. I see. Um, in this case, if in this case, so like at night, uh, instead of putting your stocking out, you might put your shoe on. On the windowsill in mm-hmm. hopes that there would be a present in it. If you're good, you get a present from one of the mischievous prankster sons of the uh, cave troll. If uh, you were not good, you, you'd get a potato. Was it a carved potato? Unclear. Well, that's a ripoff. 
Well, I mean, I love potatoes, so. Would you eat a potato that came from a street urchin's shoe? Well, it would be my own shoe. So w- Were I'm, you a street urchin, though, at the time? I'd eat it if it had been in my Rothy's shoe. <laughs> Machine washable, made of recyclable <laughs> all materials. All right, all right, that's enough. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> potato in the shoe. Uh, so then, uh, it just so you know, it, good news, there's also a song about Grilla. Here we go. Down comes Grilla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a sword in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of the children. <laughs> I'm sorry, let me try it again. Ugh. Coming to carve out the stomachs of the children who cry for meat during Lent. <laughs> So don't cry for meat during Lent. The end. That is another thing we've learned, that. And please (laughs) mend your clothing. And now, that thing in the middle. According to Roger Highfield, the author of the book, The Physics of Christmas, From the Aerodynamics of Reindeer to the Thermodynamics of Turkey, Rudolph's red nose is probably the result of a parasitic infection of his upper respiratory system. Roger says the world's most famous reindeer has a red nose due to a parasite. However, Rudolph's relationship with his parasite is symbiotic. I mean, after all, the red nose illuminates the path through the winter night for the whole reindeer team. We just love this time of year. The lights, songs and decorations, the food, the drink. Oh, the drink. Saying something inappropriate to a co-worker after a few too many. Getting fired because of it. And telling your damned spouse you're out of work. Again. We just love this time of year. This is The Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece... If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, 
and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash boxofoddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Anna sent us an email. Hi, Kat and Jethro. I'm a freak from, from Guadalajara, Mexico. First of all, great podcast. I have a Box of Oddities effect moment to tell you about. Ooh. Kat mentioned that she had worked in a cemetery and that, uh, and that very night my dad came home telling me how amazed he was at the fact that just in this month, there have been three incidents of people falling inside graves at two <gasps> cemeteries here in Guadalajara. Oh, no. Unfortunately, one of those people died because the grave was 10 meters or 32 feet deep. Why? Why? My dad then proceeded to tell me this story. It turns out my uncle used to work as a gardener at a cemetery somewhere in the U.S., but in contrast to Cat, he worked at night so as not to bother anybody, which feels to me like a really scary thing to do, to be honest, even in a U.S. cemetery, which I think are nowhere near as creepy as the cemeteries in Mexico. <laughs> then, one night, while working, one of my uncle's co-workers accidentally fell in a half-dug grave. Oh, no. He probably screamed or something, but the others were too far away to notice. Then, Minutes later from that, another one of his co-workers fell in the same grave. Oh, no. <laughs> and seeing a person inside a grave scared the shit out of him. 
Oh, I didn't even think of that. Remember, it was at night at a cemetery. Holy crap. Hmm. Um, I know I would have freaked out. In the end, my uncle and the other workers went to get help to get him out of the grave, which fortunately wasn't too deep. Mm. It was fun to find out that uh, about both Kat and my uncle's previous jobs at cemeteries <laughs> on the very same day. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. We appreciate you listening. Amazing. Well, the lab results are in and uh, 2020 sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but we're almost through it, and hopefully we're coming into a brighter time in during humanity. What I wanted to do was try to focus on some positive things throughout history, because we've had to deal with so much shit mm. this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you remember me telling you about uh, the Christmas truce of 1914? It occurred five months after the outbreak of World War One. Yeah. in Europe. Oh, yes, yes. It started with uh, the British troops in one trench and German troops in another on Christmas Eve. And they started singing Christmas carols. And pretty soon they were singing together. And then the men on Christmas Day left the trenches, went into no man's land, both the British and the Germans. Which is normally where you were for sure going to die. Yes. Yes. And they played football together all day. I can't even with that. And then at the end of the day, they went and got back into their trenches and then continued to kill each other. But for that one day, Christmas Day, they put their differences aside. They climbed out of their trenches. They went out into the middle of no man's land and they played football. That is a beautiful thing, but I cannot help but think that that would make it more traumatic for me if, like, I had to kill people that I knew the day before I was just, like, tossing the old pigskin around Mm -hmm, with. mm -hmm. That, uh, that's a real bummer. Yeah. That's a real bummer. So that's all I have for you. Oh, Um, goodbye. No, no, it is a real bummer, but it's, it's so great that even for a moment, if we can put our differences aside. Well, it also says, like, hey, you think maybe we could just stop doing this? Yeah, exactly. You think that we could just... Christmas truce, like, the world. That'd be great. Come on, let's Christmas truce the world, y'all. God, again, that sounds like a terrible, like, 1980s celebrities (laughs) sing song. Like an ABC made-for-TV movie. Let's Christmas truce the world. All right, more heartwarming stories. More things that actually happened in life when people got along. I love it. Things that came out of disaster. For example... When 9-11 happened here in the U.S. and the planes crashed in to the uh, Twin Towers, Kameli Naoma returned to his tiny village in Kenya after he witnessed it on TV. And he found that fellow people in his village had little understanding of exactly what had happened. So he gathered them around a radio and he explained to them what happened. And this is a small farming community in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to do something to help the U.S. So they blessed 14 cows and they gave them to the people of the United States. Oh, my gosh. Due to the extreme shipping costs, the U.S. arranged for the tribe to take care of America's herd in perpetuity rather than bringing them to American soil. A scholarship fund was set up by the United States for the children of that village to ascend, to attend local school. So oh you see goodness. one good turn. It, I love that. It's pretty great. Now, during World War II in 1944, a guy named Fritz Venkman. Venkman? Venkman was just, I know, you had visions of Ghostbusters. 
Vinkman in 1944 was 12 years old, and he and his mother, Elizabeth, along with her father, Hubert, moved to a cabin. Hubert was a baker for the German army, and he, he moved them to help protect them because the fighting was drawing nearer and nearer. This was during the Battle of the Bulge. On Christmas Eve 1944, Hubert still had not returned. Elizabeth tried to make the most of the situation. She made a Christmas meal. She had a few potatoes and a small chicken. Uh, suddenly, there was a knock at the door. Three American soldiers were outside. One of them explained that their friend had been shot, and they asked if they could come inside. This is according to an article in Ranker. Elizabeth agreed, and she had them place the injured soldier in a bed. She knew that harboring the enemy was punishable by death, but she was willing to take that risk to help them. The injured soldier had been shot in the leg. He had lost a great amount of blood. Mm. Um, Elizabeth and Fritz did everything they could to help. And a little bit after that, there was another knock on the door. This time it was German soldiers. Uh, one of the soldiers said that uh, he told him he'd lost his unit and needed a place to stay. And they agreed to have him come in too. So essentially what happened on Christmas Eve, they took in lost and injured American soldiers, lost and injured German soldiers, and they spent Christmas Eve around the fire drinking and being friends. Oh, that's wonderful. Later that night, all the soldiers went outside. They looked at the stars and they each gave thanks in their own way. All the soldiers slept together that night. The next morning, German soldiers helped create a makeshift stretcher for the injured American. They also gave the American soldiers' directions back to their unit. That same day, Fritz and Elizabeth left with the Germans and were soon united with Hubert. Aww. So, what a great Christmas story that is. In 1140, the Siege of Weinsberg took place in Germany, at the time part of the Holy Roman Empire. It happened between the dynasties, the Welfs, and the Hohenstaufen. King Conrad III of Hohenstaufen attacked attacked the castle of the Welfs, and uh, he, he won. He, he secured the victory. He intended to execute the men. All the men were going to die. But as a show of compassion, he told the women that they could pack out anything that they wanted and leave without being harmed. So all the women picked up their husbands and carried them out of the village so that they would not be executed. Just like in that movie Ever After, when Drew Barrymore is in the woods with the prince and the band of uh, travelers come along and they're going to steal all their stuff <laughs> and they're like, "Milady, you can leave uh, and take anything that you can carry with you. And so she fireman carries him and then they... They all laugh and they're like, okay, come back here. And then they have dinner together. Was there a song for that too? Yeah. Anyway, King Conrad saw what was happening and he said that a king should keep his word. He let them go. Oh my gosh. I love that that really happened. Yeah. I love that. I also, uh, that same week, watched uh, Never Been Kissed. It was kind of like a Drew Barrymore flashback <laughs> weekend. Uh -huh. And Never Been Kissed is real problematic. Like, looking back at that movie, it probably should not have been made. But Ever After holds up. Just as the Chernobyl disaster was happening, or Chernobyl, if you prefer, um, the initial explosion released 400 times as much radioactive fallout as uh, the U.S. bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. They were concerned that there were going to be additional explosions. And to keep that from happening, three men who worked at the plant dived into highly radioactive water, a pool beneath the reactor of number, uh, reactor number four, 
to open a valve in the dark basement so the radioactive wastewater could be drained away before melting the reactor core any further and chew through the concrete and cause an even bigger disaster. To save everybody else, three men dove into this radioactive water pool and they all survived. Oh, really? Isn't that amazing? I was not expecting that. I know. One of the men did die of a heart attack in 2005, but the others were all still in good health as of uh, a year or two ago. Wow. Incredible. Let's go back to an even older war. Let's go back to the Revolutionary War. During the Revolutionary War, uh, General George Washington found a stray dog. This was October 6th. 1777. The dog belonged, and it was well known, to British General Sir William Howe. It was his fox terrier, Leela. She got lost and she ended up with the American army as it withdrew from a battlefield. The dog was brought to George Washington after the men found it, and they showed uh, the dog's collar with Howe's initials engraved in it. Washington, even though he had just finished a fierce battle with the British, and specifically General Sir William Howe, took his fox terrier, had it groomed, and ordered that the terrier be returned to Howe with a note that said, General Washington's compliments to General Howe. He does himself the pleasure of returning him a dog, which accidentally fell into his hands. And by the inscription on the collar appears to belong to General Howe. The dog was delivered under a flag of truce. Aww, that's wonderful. Though I find that it's not a great idea to bathe someone else's dog without asking, <laughs> because what if they have allergies? Yeah, that's true. I yeah, did so. that once. I, a, a rando one time said that I could use his cabin. And so when I got there, he had two dogs and they, they needed bathing. So I gave him a bath. The only shampoo that I had was like strawberry VO5. <laughs> and I so I bathed them. And uh, they came out great. But mm. afterwards, I was like, oh, you know what? I should have thought about that. Because what if one of them had skin allergies? It would have been a bad situation. But neither one of them had a skin allergy. No, they did fine. They yeah, were really okay. fluffy and cute. That's good. All right. And finally, a Japanese pilot during World War II, Nobuo Fujita. He was the only Axis soldier to drop a bomb on the continental United States. Oh. He flew near the town of Brookings, Oregon. He dropped several thermite bombs around Brookings, Oregon in an attempt to start forest fires and to draw U.S. resources from the Pacific. Now, it was kind of damp because, well, Oregon, and it kept the fires from spreading, so the town was left unharmed. In um, 1962, the town reached out to him and asked him to return to the town to promote international friendship. He accepted. He flew with his samurai sword that he had taken on all of his flights. It had been passed down in his family for 400 years. He revealed that he feared he may be tried as a war criminal or pelted with eggs, and so he would use the sword to commit seppuku, ritual suicide. But instead, he was given such a warm welcome that he presented the sword to the town as a gift where it is still displayed. He returned to Brookings several times after that and helped plant trees. Oh, oh see, I like that. See, we can all find common ground. I'm just going to end it right there. That's all I have. That's all I have for you. But I think this time of year, it's great to reflect on on some good things that have happened. Maybe if we dig deep enough, we can find some that happened in 2020. 
Uh, if not, just be grateful for what you do have. I found that that's been really helpful for us uh, as we've bumped up into some rough stuff this year um, is just really focusing on how um, grateful we are for what we have and focusing on those things that have gone right. And there have been some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been very fortunate to have uh, a new uh, couple of pets make their way into our home, and I'm very grateful for them. And we're very grateful for you, the Freak family. You guys have given us, really, and I'm not joking, a purpose this year. Yeah. Something to really focus on that was positive and fun. And we owe you guys so much. Thank you for uh, for being part of this community. And for making our 2020 bearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the 2021. Hopefully it won't be the bastard son of a bitch year that... Uh, <sighs> fuck 2020. Anyway... Love you. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. (laughs) Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Say some word things. Okay. Um, Hello and welcome to Your Butt on Fire, an audio journey of hemorrhoids. Reddit. love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts if you like this podcast can we recommend another one It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.